I'm Michael Dunn, and you're listening to Oregon Rainmakers on KLCC. My guest today is Dr. Rick Pettigrew, the Executive Director of the Archaeological Legacy Institute of Eugene, which is a nonprofit organization using media to nurture and bring attention to the human cultural heritage. Dr. Richard Pettigrew, who is the Executive Director of the Archaeological Legacy Institute, thanks for coming in and talking to us. Well, thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Let's start with a real basic question. Tell our audience, what is the Archaeological Legacy Institute, what you do, and and what your mission is? Uh, Archaeological Legacy Institute, which we will call ALI, (laughs) is a nonprofit uh, founded right here in Eugene in 1999 by myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's It's a registered nonprofit corporation in Oregon and our mission is to tell the human story Um, and you do that through a lot of different sort of platforms. Talk about all the different things that are sort of under the Archaeological Legacy Institute. Right. Well, we have a good list. Um, we have four different platforms. We have our, our flagship website, which is known as the Archaeology Channel. Mm-hmm. That's at archaeologychannel.org. Okay. Then we have our Archaeology News website, which is called Archaeologica. Mm-hmm. which is at archaeologica.org and there we update the regular news there's news coming out every day about archaeology and related topics all around the world mm-hmm. uh, we have our uh, subscription video on demand service our platform called heritage broadcasting service uh, which is an svod it's like our version of netflix right? <laughs> so we have hundreds of film titles there that people can watch by subscription yeah. Um, then we have Archaeoseek, which is our social media platform, archaeoseek.com, okay. which is a place where people can go to, to connect with archaeologists and archaeology wanna, archaeologist wannabes, as I like <laughs> to say. So those are four main internet platforms that we have. And then we have lots of different programs uh, that are on these uh, platforms as well, especially the Archaeology Channel. So, so it certainly sounds like, and, and looking at your bio, you know, being an archaeologist yourself and studying it, this was kind of a passion project. But I, I would imagine, like a lot of nonprofits, you know, you kind of looked out at the landscape and said, there's something missing that we, we need to fill this niche. Talk about that, especially, you know, thinking you're talking to lay people. You're not talking to a, a cadre of archaeologists. But why was it so important for you to, to launch this? Mm. Yeah, well, I, I've been doing archaeology for literally decades, you know, mm-hmm. going back to the 70s. I came here to go to graduate school at the U of O and got my master's and Ph.D. here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, did a lot of archaeology over the years. And um, myself and, and my friends in archaeology always bemoaned the fact that we were doing all this important work and producing all these important results about learning about the human past, and nobody seemed to know about it. <laughs> and, and, you know, the media wasn't really, weren't really doing a really great job about it because they're, they're not specialized. They don't sure. necessarily know the topic very well, nor do they necessarily regard it as highly important compared to other things. So we always felt frustrated about that. Okay. Okay, and then the late 90s, streaming media came on, came, came online, sure. you know, the new technology, and I got excited about it because I've always been kind of a technophile myself. Okay. Besides, and I saw that, that it was a useful technology to actually address the issue of letting people know what we're doing and why it's important. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you that. Why is it important? I, I, I think all of us listening have a really basic, basic understanding of archaeology. And as you talked about, you know, studying the human past and stuff. Mm-hmm. But 
I would imagine it's a field that has a lot more, and I hope this isn't a bad joke, depth uh, with regard to not only what it is, but why it's so important. So, so take a few minutes and, and give us, okay. if for lack of a better phrase, Archaeology 101 <laughs> about what it is and why it's so important. Well, it's basically about uh, addressing the question of who are we? Hmm. You know, I mean, um, and, and, and one thing I want to point out is that I like to expand the scope beyond simply the word archaeology. Okay. Archaeology is a way of gathering data, mm -hmm. right? So and when, when people hear the word archaeology, all sorts of images pop up. There's a stereotype involved sure. there, right? So archaeologists, you know, digging in the dirt. Sure. Scraping away in some square, you know, dirt <laughs> or whatever, digging sure. up, digging up something like or exposing an ancient uh, temple or, or whatever it might be sure um, and that that's a method that's a that's a way of gathering information okay I see archaeology as much broader than that and now these days of course we're doing a lot more than just digging in the dirt archaeologists are using all kinds of data remote sensing for example lidar discovering all these incredible sites that were unknown in the tropical forests of Central America right that's a different kind of excavation using using modern technology but but the point is we're gathering data about what people did in the past how do we know about what happened in the past. You look at the historical record. Um, historical records go back about 5,000 years, but really um, only in the modern period, say the last three or 400 years, do we have really thorough documentation of very much at all. Okay. And even then, uh, all we have is what people wrote down about it, and you know about the biases of, of written material. Sure. So we know that, that historical documents have certain biases. However, garbage does not lie. <laughs> right? So if I wanted to find out all kinds, about, all kinds of things about you, I would search through your garbage and I would find out all sorts of, of details that nobody else would know about. Sure. Right? Yeah. Okay, so we're searching in the garbage of people who lived a long time ago <laughs> and we're learning about things that um, they maybe didn't think were important to tell us about. And, and so they didn't. And besides that, um, we can learn all kinds of detailed things about them that uh, we can compare with other people uh, all around the world. And, and there, but for that reason, then we can go back and explore what people have been doing for not just centuries, not just millennia, but for tens of thousands of years, maybe hundreds of thousands of years, and we can explore the human past, yeah. right? And, and come to a better understanding of why things are the way they are. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's important for us to understand ourselves and maybe to develop a, a background or a context within which we can, we can make decisions about where we want to go. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, that old phrase about, you know, if a tree falls in the forest, does anyone hear it? I, I, listening to you, I'm thinking not only so much of that is important, but then obviously, as an archaeologist yourself, it's not just that there might be a discovery or an, you know, analysis of data. It's I need to communicate that to the broader public. So, so talk about you know, your, your impetus for launching these communications mm -hmm. platforms because obviously you, didn't, you don't want to keep archaeology a secret. You want to tell the broader world. Right. Talk about how you launched them. You, you talked a little bit about why you launched them, but, right. but maybe talk about why you chose these, you know, these platforms and, mm -hmm. and kind of what do people experience when they access, you know, your channels and streaming services? Right. Well, you know, for a long, long time, archaeologists communicated with one another 
through mm-hmm. publications and reports and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, uh, we call that, I call that quoting circles. Uh, people, <laughs> yeah, people uh, writing things, other people writing about those things, but it's a small group of people involved with that process. Now, it's a very important process, of mm-hmm. course, because that's part of the scientific process. Sure. Um, the scientists will p- publish, other scientists will comment about it, and as a group, we hope that we will move forward to, to improve our understanding of things, right? But that's that process does not include the public, not necessarily, mm. unless the public wants to weigh in and get involved in that process. Sure. But we have a totally different process, the use of media to tell people the story that we have. It's a different process and it has a different tone, a different context. What we want to tell people is not only what we've been doing, but why it's important. And of course, that, lead, that, that creates sort of a lot of issues because what I might think is important might not be what my colleague over here would think is important. Okay. And he, might, he or she might actually disagree with what I'm saying. Nevertheless, it's important for us to get those, uh, to get those ideas out there in front of the public. Mm-hmm. Because really, let me ask you, what's the point of doing it if we're not sharing it with humanity? I mean, sure. we're, studying, we're studying about humanity, so we should be sharing this information and these thoughts and these perspectives with the rest of humanity. I think we have an ob- uh, we have an obligation to do that. If I could, it, it almost sounds like there's an element of sort of democratization of, of the archaeological finds to make sure that more, not less, people can see it and understand it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a democratization in the sense that we want more people to know about it. Uh, we're not abandoning the scientific process, sure. however. Uh, and, and we want to inform people about the varying opinions that might exist about various things. Nevertheless, I think it, we want to bring people into the discussion so they understand what we're trying to do and what we actually think we know at present. And then you're asking about the method. Well, uh, as I said, I'm kind of a technophile. And so <laughs> I've always been interested in media, especially media technology. Yeah. I've been involved in computers you know, since I was doing computer programming back at Stanford in the 1960s, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> when, when we had a computer occupying a building that had less power than what I have in my pocket right now. <laughs> um, but when, when the new technology came online, as I said, uh, it became possible for me to communicate with the rest of humanity from my desktop. Yeah. For me, that was extremely exciting. Yeah. Nowadays it's old hat, but in those days that was like, oh my God, that that was an incredible development. And now we're trying to take advantage of it. So we've created these platforms as a way of taking advantage of the of the technological potential that we have to share information. Got it. Got it. We're going to take a quick break. We're talking to uh, Dr. Richard Pettigrew. He is the executive director of the Archaeological Legacy Institute, based here in Eugene. We'll be right back. And we're back talking to Dr. Richard Pettigrew. He's the executive director of the Archaeological Legacy Institute here in Eugene. You know, it's interesting talking about, uh, you know, the platforms of, of, of what, what is under the Archaeological Legacy Institute and the various channels and streaming services that you provide. You know, talk, that's a great way, obviously, for experts such as yourself to educate and inform the public. But I'm also wondering, are there, are, are there aspects of those channels that are two-way? So, so in other words, you can have a dialogue with 
the mem members of the public and, and perhaps even citizen archaeologists, if you will. <laughs> well, yes, of course. We, uh, we have a way for people to communicate with us. I mean, you can go to TAC, which is my acronym for the Archaeology Channel mm -hmm. website. You can, on TAC, you can, you can find our email and you can uh, communicate with us that sure. way. We get regular feedback that way. Um, I mean, people can, can feedback also on our Archaeologica website. Actually, all four platforms have ways for people to communicate with us. Mm -hmm. and, and we have programs, too, that, that are, are you know, more interactive, such as our annual film festival. The Archaeology Channel International Film Festival which takes place right here in Eugene every year. It's going to be in May this year from May 15 to May 19. Okay. People actually come. Yeah. And we interact with them personally, <laughs> which I find um, more exciting and interesting than sure. just necessarily doing email with people. Sure, 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 sure. I want to go back to when you were uh, perhaps in the field or, or some of the work that you did when you were a, a PhD candidate or after you had reached your... Talk a little bit about... I, you talked a little bit about sort of the, the maybe it's the stereotype of 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 the uh, you know <laughs> a pith hat hat clad person you right. know using a brush to uncover pots and and other you know detritus from a from a past civilization. But I mean, give us you know kind of talk take us back to your experience in the field, whatever that was, and mm -hmm. maybe talk about you know kind of the hardship, excitement. You know all of the, kind of the, the 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 human emotion of discovery, right? Well, I'm I'm a North American archaeologist. I've done most of my uh, archaeological fieldwork research uh, here in Oregon. Okay. So I'm an Oregon archaeologist, and I've been all over the state doing archaeology. I did my dissertation fieldwork uh, near Portland on the Lower Columbia River, established the chronology of the Lower Columbia River. Um, which was very exciting, had not been done before that. Now there's a chronological framework as a result of that. Hmm. But uh, I was the highway archaeologist here in Oregon, connected with the Oregon Department of Transportation through the University of Oregon. Okay. And that took me all over the state on various highway projects. Okay. Uh, most of that work was pretty boring. I'd go, <laughs> they, they, would, they would give me the plans of a project. I'd go there and look at it and mostly report, well, it, there's really nothing there to worry about. Okay. So, move on to the next one. Occasionally, we would find something of interest, and then we would follow it up with further research. Okay. And sometimes that would lead to a really exciting excavation project. We, could make, we would make, actually, groundbreaking discoveries. Wow. So, uh, and after I left the university, I got involved in the private sector. You know, most archaeology in this country is done by the private sector, private companies doing okay. co work under contract. Okay. I did a lot of exciting work here in Oregon as a result of that. So, but what's the experience like? Well, if you go out to do an archaeological excavation, it's a lot of hard work. And oftentimes you're there working and not finding very much, and it, it can be kind of boring. Okay. But at the same time, you have a group of people you're working with who are have are like-minded people, and so it's exciting to work with them. And occasionally you find really exciting things, and you really get into it yeah. with your colleagues. Yeah. yeah. Can can you can you tell us maybe what was something truly exciting that you found? Okay. Well, um, we were. Uh, it, when I was working with Infotech Research after leaving the university, this okay. was back in the early 90s, we got involved in a pipeline, a natural gas pipeline project. It was a pipeline corridor running from uh, the Idaho Panhandle down to Southern California. Okay. I was uh, responsible for the Eastern Oregon component of that, and we found a site near Madras, which was absolutely amazing. The Johnson site, which has a continuous archaeological record going back more than 10,000 years, um, and including Mazama Ash, there's about a foot deep 
more, more foot or more thick layer of Mazama ash from the eruption, from the eruption of Mount Mazama yeah. 7,600 years ago, and their their cultural debris, artifacts, and stuff below that as mm -hmm. well as above that. Uh, that was an amazing discovery to make because that site had been investigated previously, and the researchers who worked on it didn't really find much, but hmm. we did, and because we probed deeply and we found some cool stuff, and including a prehistoric house around Pit House that was built directly on top of the Mazama ash with a date on the floor of 7,000 years, wow. which is uh, really significant because that period in Oregon prehistory is very poorly uh, represented in the data. Interesting, interesting. Um, it must be exhilarating to find something like that. I mean, I, I, and I, I, I told myself I probably wasn't going to make any Indiana Jones references, but I do remember in, in one of the first film about they were, they're having dialogue and, and, and one, the, the protagonist or the antagonist was talking about, you know, we're just passing through history, but this, this is history talking about an artifact. And, and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, you're one of the few people who've touched something that is thousands and thousands of years old. What's that like? Well, it, it's a heady experience, um, uh, it, and, and it gives you a lot of thought. I mean, you, you think a lot about these people, and mm -hmm. you try to visualize what their lives were like based on the data that you have. So you know when you're, when you're holding an artifact that somebody, ma somebody made that. Yeah. And you wonder... Who was that person? What what was that like? What were their lives like? Yeah, you know, and and yes, uh, but but after a while, you kind of get used to that, and a lot of people uh, are surprised perhaps by that. But yeah, we deal with that all the time. Um, but we like to look at the bigger picture, not just about the individual who made that artifact, but about the, the people, the group of people that this person was living with, and also what happened to those people over a period of time. Yeah. I I'm curious because what you just described and, and you talked about, you know, the the historic record that showcases, you know, a a tremendous shock to the environment thousands of years ago, the eruption of Mount Mazama that created Crater Lake and and so on and so forth. I'm wondering, you know, archaeologists in our future are, are may look back at the time you and I are talking today and something like the acceleration of climate change may greatly impact are, is impacting our society. And I, I'm wondering, do you ever think about what future archaeologists are going to say about our world and perhaps what some of our inputs to that environment are doing and what the archaeological record may reflect a right. thousand years from now? Well, archaeologists do talk about that. We, we reflect on that from uh, oh, amongst ourselves. And it is a fascinating topic. Um, and I wonder how people are going to perceive us in, in the future. One thing I do know is we're leaving a lot more evidence than people <laughs> of the past Sure, yeah. sure, sure, right. sure. So we have we have these giant landfills, which will become archaeological sites, and and and, and people, archaeologists, will be able to analyze those and do statistics on the various kinds of debris that they find and sure. how that changed over time. And of course, there is a climate record. There will be a climate record showing uh, how the climate has changed. And I think you know the, the the cause of the climate change will be very clear by that time, uh, and pretty well known, I yeah. would imagine. Uh, so yeah, we are creating a record. We are uh, going through, um, I think, a transitional period in human history, and it's already being recognized by not only anthropologists, by geologists, calling it the Anthropocene, hmm. right? I mean, we used to call it the Holocene, now we're, we're entering the Anthropocene, right? <laughs> so. Uh, the impact of humans on the climate and on the environment is is very evident in the physical record. Yeah. Um, 
Going back to when you were working and you talked about, you know, working uh, in relationship to highway projects and whatnot. I imagine there were times when because of your work, you had to kind of metaphorically put your hands up and say, stop, this is important. We need to tread carefully here. Did that create some tension, you know, with regard to the projects that you worked on? Because I imagine, you know, you want to build a highway, you want to get it done, you want to keep going, but then this archeologist comes out and says, just a second. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So uh, that's kind of built in, you know, that is to say that is a problem that we recognize and that we have a process for addressing. It doesn't mean we're always going to agree about that subject, sure. but there is a process, uh, and it's a state-level process. Uh, basically, the archaeologist needs to find the data and then make a case for its significance. Is it significant or is it not significant? There's a process for doing that that has to be agreed at the state level, uh, and then the project uh, is um, perhaps modified mm -hmm. uh, based on that. Decisions are made. The project uh, makers, the proponent of the project, uh, have to address those issues. But it's kind of it's kind of a murky subject. You know, okay. we don't we can't necessarily say automatically what the outcome will be. It, okay. It's a group decision, uh, and the archaeologist doesn't necessarily agree with the outcome. Sure. But sure, I can sure, give sure. you an example of what happened uh, way back when, back in the '80s. Uh, we were doing the uh, we were uh, we were exploring the area along the highway, which now exists between Venita and 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 the area to the west of the coast okay right? that's a relatively new highway it didn't exist um so i went out and surveyed it walked walked along found some traces of stuff and we found some archaeological sites uh, at that time one of the alignment proposals was going to cut through the oregon country fair territory oh boy <laughs> and of course we heard about that there was quite a discussion about that i remember sitting in a meeting with the oregon county commissioners or rather the lane county commissioners about that um, and fortunately, we ended up finding an, a, another site right in the path of that proposed route through the country fair. Wow. And so we explored that site, and that was a good reason for the uh, project proponents to go back to the original alignment, uh, which was away from the country fair. So in a sense, we kind of saved the country fair <laughs> by finding an archaeological site that moved the project away from it. Well, many of our listeners would be very happy with that. You know, Dr. Pettigrew, my last question for you is you've done so much here in the state. Maybe a message to listeners about kind of talk about the rich archaeological uh, 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 milieu, if you will, of Oregon and, and what, you've, what you've seen over your years. Right. A lot, a lot of people don't really think about that. They don't understand that necessarily. Often, oftentimes they get the question, of, well, what, what kind of archaeology... Um, do you do here in Oregon? Because they mm -hmm. can't imagine, right? Because Oregon history only goes back like 200 years, right? Sure. And they say, so do you do Indian archaeology? <laughs> and my thought is, well, duh. <laughs> uh, okay. So then I have to bring up the fact that Oregon has been inhabited by people for at least 15,000 years, probably 20,000 or more years. Wow. And why is that less significant than, <laughs> the, than the human record anywhere else? It's sure. not. Actually, sure. um, every culture in the world is equally valid from our perspective. It's, there are many different ways of being human, and we need to understand those different ways so we can understand how we do it yeah. better. Yeah. So, yeah, um, the human record in, in, uh, in Oregon goes back many, many thousands of years, and it's very rich. It's under our feet, and it's everywhere. All we have to do is look 
most people are blithely unaware of it. <laughs> um, but archaeologists, of course, are very much aware of it, and we try to point that out. Yeah. Well, I lied. One last question. You know, give a message to people. Like you just said, I mean, is, is, there, is there things in addition to learning, like on your various channels? But I mean, you know, just generally speaking, is there a message that you'd give to just listeners about, you know, an appreciation for the past. Right, I think we need to understand um, what little of the past we know and how the, the, the culture that we live in today um, is so very recent. Hmm. Um, you know, we talk about Oregon history and most people think of Oregon history as beginning, you know, with Lewis and Clark or sure. Um, but that, that's a tiny veneer on the top of a, of a deep, deep, deep cultural record. We need to, we need to have a little humility <laughs> about, uh, about who we are, what our culture is, and how it fits into the bigger picture. We need to recognize that it is very, very recent, and we may not have much of an understanding of, of what the consequences are of the things that we do, which we have been doing for such a short period of time. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dr. Richard Pettigrew, the executive director of the Archaeological Legacy Institute here in Eugene, thanks so much for coming in and talking to us. Yeah, thanks very much for the opportunity. That was our conversation with Dr. Rick Pettigrew, the executive director of the Archaeological Legacy Institute of Eugene, a nonprofit which uses multi-form media to teach and bring understanding about the field of archaeology and the overall human cultural heritage. This has been the Oregon Rainmakers podcast on KLCC. I'm Michael Dunn, your host. Thanks for listening.